Hi, and welcome back to the European VC, your podcast for insights into the European VC industry. If you love our show, do drop us a review, share it with your friends, and join our Slack community at theeuropeanvc.com forward slash community. Today, we welcome Dilek, the founding and managing partner of ScaleX Ventures, a 30 million euro Turkey-based pan-European fund investing in B2B software, AI bioinformatics, robotics, cyber, and focuses her value add on scaling and growing globally. In this episode, we deep dive with Delec on ScaleX's founder carry sharing scheme, how they thought about initially its reception and founders, as well as LPs, and how they optimize their founder portfolio community. We've just launched our first partner podcast, The Next Gen VC, hosted by Audrey and Ved. The podcast is a from Gen Z to Gen Z and all about how to break into VC. So give it a listen. And if you don't think it's for you, share it with someone else. Dilek, welcome to the European VC. How are you today? Great. I'm excited to be with you, Andreas and David. We always like to start with the basic question, which is how the hell did you end up in venture? And in your specific case, how did you end up starting ScaleX? Well, when the age goes, it becomes a really long story, but I will keep it really short. So I define myself more like a venturepreneur than more than a just a venturepreneur. I love that term. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that one. Never heard the reason is probably both, I mean, we are founders as the partners. We really want to help the entrepreneurs. But at the end of the day, also, like for entrepreneurship, I think you have to do so many different things with limited resources. And I define myself as a venturepreneur because with a small fund, we are trying to do really deep stuff. So anyway, it was luck, I guess, because as my background, I'm a mechanical engineer. Then I went to U.S. to get my MBA Founded my own company, worked as a consultant at Accenture, did some strategy projects, did business development, ended up at Groupon as a director of strategy and data. Actually, that time I fell in love with startups and scaling. It was a problem that I wanted to solve because it was like building systems, thinking growth strategies, growing the team. So I think that's an amazing problem to work on. And I, I wanted to help people, to be honest. And I, when I came back to Turkey, I ended up working with the first VC venture firm, 212 in Turkey. Uh, my first job wasn't investment. My job was helping at, at portfolio companies. For the first couple of years, I literally went to the offices of startups, sit down with them, try to solve their problems. But I, then I ended up like thinking, I love this job. Like, how can I become a venture Capitalist. That time, like we didn't have podcasts like EUVC that you could go and listen to people. So I'm like, how can I learn this? Uh, took me to Kaufman Fellowship. And literally, it's changed the way that I look at venture capital. You land into an amazing uh, network and you learn from the best. I think entrepreneurship is uh, it's a tacit knowledge. It's like riding a bicycle. You can't tell a person to ride a bicycle by like, hold it 30 degrees, then put your feet like 30 miles an hour. So it doesn't work. Like you need to see, try and get the feedback all the time. So I wanted to do it with the best. 
And I started to recruit people for Scalex that time. I didn't know that, but I started to meet like Salesforce's founding investor and board member, one of the rock star investors in Silicon Valley, uh, SRI's president, successful entrepreneur. So I've been building those relationships and they've been always giving me feedbacks and helping our entrepreneurs. And after Kaufman, I invested in EasyCall Insider, now Insider, like a billion and 1.2 billion AI marketing software company. EasyCall has been acquired by PayU. Let's say I was lucky uh, with my first deals. I developed the passion to help entrepreneurs, though. At this part of the world, we, I think we have amazing raw talent, but you need to access to that network, like for access to capital, access to people who have done it before, access to playbooks who have done it before. So I'm like, how can I solve that? Because I was traveling to Silicon Valley a lot, to other ecosystems. That became my passion. And I wanted to find a platform that wouldn't only invest financially, but it would also help entrepreneurs on the operational side. And it kind of gave the first idea of Scalex. It wasn't a fund at the first place. I was literally dragging people in, founders and experts to help entrepreneurs, bringing Harvard professors. And I didn't know it was community building, to be honest. It's like, now I realize it was the first steps of the community. Um, Those people became successful entrepreneurs and they became LPs in the fund. So it was the first days. At that time, I did that and I was also, so I'm going to say this, but LPs don't like it. I had a name for it, co-founder as a service. It sounded great to me and for the founders. I was actually doing angel investment and being active board member. Then I met with my co-founder, Berkay. He's founder of Opsgenie, which has been acquired by Atlassian. He was building the product here, but selling all around the world. I'm like, Hmm. Berkay, you need to come and help these entrepreneurs. They need you to talk to. So while we were talking, he sold the company, made the exit, and we had the same passion. We know amazing people, how we can help them. Uh, On the LP side, like we know really raw, high talent people, how we can create a huge arbitrage by helping them. So that was the beginning. We literally founded ScaleX two years ago. It's born into pandemic and now it's 30 million euro fund investing in deep tech, B2B enterprise tech, AI, cybersecurity developer tools, obviously in our DNA. And we literally not just invest financially, but invest uh, operationally too by our LPs, our help and so on. Dilek, I want to come back to something you said because it's actually quite interesting. We've had a bunch of guests that have done the Kaufman Fellows uh, program. Mm -hmm. And many of our listeners are actually emerging managers, right? So I'd love to have your perspective on what was that program like for you? Mm -hmm. And in what ways did it help you? Because I think many of our listeners would love to hear that. Yes. If you want to be a good VC, you have to be in it. For me, it was life-changing in two ways. Professionally, like technically, you get the skill set or technical know-how from those people. But also as a personally, you get, I mean, this is like a entrepreneurship too. You are building something scratch. It requires so many learnings and pains and problem solvings. And now I can drag people who have done it and who are really successful in the network. And by the way, next week, I'm going to go back 
and I will be in the new class. I love that too, like smelling the room and getting to know new people, new emerging managers, helping each other. For me, for example, helping them is also a passion because I've been there. It was painful. People helped me. Like, how can I give back? This is an amazing community that you will learn and get so much support. I would definitely do it. In our family, we say that was our best investment. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, <laughs> like, we tend to say that the future of tech investing is human and thus community is central. I'd love to hear a bit about, so it's one thing you going through the program and what you learn from that, but the community afterwards, how do you engage with it? How do you make sure you get the most out of it and so on? I'd love to piggyback a bit of your thinking here. Yeah, actually, I get so many questions around this from the new fellows too. I was probably one of the youngest in the class. And it was mostly focused on the U.S. before Mm -hmm. us. It was changing at the right time. I'm class 18. They they were recruiting so many global uh, fellows. To be honest, at the beginning, I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, I was working in a fund. It helped me to find my soul. How did I do it? I like literally it was raw exposure, like going and talking to people, learning from them. I would definitely say find your authenticity. By the way, they were saying that to me too. I didn't get it that time. Now I know why. It's like, why you are different? What do you want to bring to table? I think for me, I realized I was good at marketing. I was one of the first Twitter. I had like more than 20, 30,000 followers that time. It was a lot of followers. I was uh, really working closely with the founders. So that kind of made me put in a spot in the class and people started to come to me. Like first year I was going to people, like, can I talk to you? How have you have done it? And then second year people were coming to me to ask me to help them out on the marketing issue. So I think you definitely, like first year, raw exposure, second year, definitely find your edge and help people, like position yourself somewhere. Ah, That's a super good point. So now to the big topic of today, which is, of course, your uh, carry sharing scheme. We're starting to see more in Europe doing this. So it's a very timely topic for our conversation here. So I'd love to just hear why did you create it in the beginning and how did you get going? Actually, Berkai, Iper, our other partner and I, we are, uh, we were like, we want to do it for the long term. And the definition of success for us, obviously, I mean, I have like 15x return and 55% IRR from my previous portfolio. Like we want that performance, but we also want to help people and have a really strong community, have fun, uh, help people to grow. So that was the idea. And we know entrepreneurship is tough. All of us, we have been entrepreneurs and we know how hard it is. One day you are like up in the clouds. At night you are like, oh, damn, uh, you need to fire someone. Like these are really up and down. And you put all your resources into your startup most of the time. So we said how we can help them. This was one idea. And the other idea is I've been doing this job for a long time. And when I invested in companies, they are still helping me out without asking anything. And I want to pay back to them. Like if I'm investing today, I know they are going to help me or the future entrepreneurs of this fund. And I want them to get something out of it too. And I think the third idea was how we can make them to help each other more. These were the thesis. That's why we wanted to do. But what we see now, they are uh, bringing a lot of deals. (laughs) 
that we weren't thinking, but that's how I see it. They are bringing good deals to us with diligence, which is increasing our, amplifying our deal sourcing capability and helping us for the due diligence for sure. Because I've been talking to a lot of Kaufman fellows or successful VCs, let's say, who have done like their second, third or fourth fund. I think one of the biggest questions for the early ones, um, where am I going to grow? Because after a while, like how you are going to scale? Are you going to go vertical? Are you going to go geographical? The answer was, it depends on your first portfolio. The successful ones are going to bring you more deals, more capability. You are going to go deeper. So, And we wanted to make those entrepreneurs to use that and become part of this too. I want to ask you to expand on that, Dilek, because I think that's a really interesting perspective of your first portfolio defines how you scale. Yes. (laughs) Right? Can you put some more words into it, into your thinking there? Because I think it's an interesting insight as well for our listeners. Sure. I mean, in the team, we are all engineers. Everything needs to have the logic behind it, but uh, we also know human beings are not that logical. So. I share that view. I'm an engineer as well. <laughs> yeah, like we, we, we were like, look at this market. and But at the end of the day, for early stage investment, we all know it depends on the team. And when we first started, we wanted to add value. And we said, okay, AI software, deep tech, cybersecurity, enterprise software, developer tools are obviously our territory. We are good, good at here. We know what we are doing. We know the market. Day one, we can introduce you to 10 Lighthouse customers or or we can bring you the best playbooks, AppDynamics TMO or head of growth at uh, Google Cloud, let's say. But then when you invest, it becomes like really specific. Like one of our AI companies is doing shallow learning with the state-of-art outcomes and performance. So now I can look a lot of shallow learning companies or at the age AIs. So... Then when you go deeper, we all know your decision-making process gets better. If you haven't read, I think there's a book for the emerging managers, Forecasting. That's a must-have read book for the fund managers. Like our job is forecasting and how you can make that forecasting better is like you are going to feed with data all the time and you are going to improve your decision-making. And being in a company makes it perfect for the future investments. Is it the one that's called something with uh, how to see around corners or something like that? Literally, it's the forecasting based on the forecasting research done for 10 years. We'll share the link, everyone. Yeah, super no. forecasting, the art and science of prediction. Absolutely amazing. That, you just block. saved me from uh, having to put something uh, and remember that I have to put it in the episode notes. So thanks a million for that. <laughs> Uh, this is a must read uh, that's great okay so Dilek these are the motivations behind the uh, founder career sharing scheme I'd love to just ask how deep can we dive into it in terms of how you structure it are you willing to tell us Mm -hmm. you know how much of your carry pool is given to the founders and how do you think about the mechanics behind it by the way it's not just our founders we also have operational Mm -hmm. experts so we have an pool of more than 20% just for those experts and the founders who really help this network to become more successful. So when we invest in you, you have an option to get a piece of our carry, 
right away. How does that work? So when you say you have an option, that means that they get it and do they get it as, you know, as a product of the size of the check or is it a headcount thing or how how do you work out those? It took us really long to make those decisions. Yeah. But at the end, we um, modeled it around the first yeah. check size. Yeah. Okay, cool. Now nah, that makes sense. And it's only founders that get access to it. Yes, just the founders of our portfolios. Super cool. I'd love to dive into those deliberations on why did you end up tying it to the first check? This is super exciting because all the people that are listening into this episode are going to be listening because they're thinking about doing a founder sharing scheme themselves, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, actually, it was a really long debate. We wanted to incentivize people for the right things. Not just the outcome, but also I think the quality of the network is also matters too. Like we thought, should it be the whole check or um, should it be any of them? Like those were the questions. And then we also needed to put some uh, like uh, thresholds. Otherwise, some of them were getting more. So we also wanted to make it more even for the network because we wanted all of them to be part of it. Let's say your company failed, but still we want you to come make money out of it and help the network. So that was kind of the brainstorming backstage team. For the first one, this is like this, but I'm always open to improvement. If people read that super forecasting thing, they will get what I'm saying. (laughs) It's funny because we spoke to another uh, VC some time back on the podcast about this, where he said, well, when I look at the people that I'm investing in, they are super focused, they only have one thing in mind and their viewpoint isn't hatching their bet. So for me, I cannot see it make sense. I can only see that they will run as much as they can for their own company and I don't expect them to do anything else and I don't want them (laughs) to do anything else. I'm sure that you've gotten that type of feedback from people as well, not necessarily the founders, but other VCs or LPs. So I'd love to hear how your thinking has been. Sure. I think it's because I've been there and I've seen the whole cycle. The people that I invested before, they made exits. Now there are billion-dollar companies. For example, I can tell you, Insider, they grew to like 24 countries. And maybe it's not just the founder. By the way, I'm still helping the co- like founders. Whenever they need me, I'm there. And one of our company is talking to their lead generation guy. This is also matching them too. And they are learning something from each other. I think it's a long-term game. I don't want them to defocus today, but I know they will grow. And they also want to give back too. So the people that I invest, they love it and they learn from it. So imagine you are a CEO, you end up at the top, but you don't want to lose your connection from the real world and uh, from what's going on in the world too. That helps them a lot too. I actually think that there's a good point in that it's not necessarily just about the money and the monetary ambition or or what you can get out of it, but it's just as much feeling that it it changes your mindset around something that you have. For me, it was belonging. Like how they feel more belong to this matters more than anything else. And make it fun. Like we get together and have fun. I love how Andreas just stole my scripted question by saying that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, nah, but it's uh, I very much agree with that. It's it's, but it's also connecting to what you said, Dilek, Is 
what is special about you, what is different about you as an investor, but also as a firm. And maybe some founders want that feeling of belonging and, and others don't, and that's fine. But yeah, you are catering fine. for a profile of founder that values that as well. What about LPs? How has been their reaction to this? <laughs> some of them said, really, you are giving millions to the founders? I'm like, yes, we are doing that. They believe in what we do. We know what we are doing because we are there all the time and touching all those founders. We got really positive feedbacks. I think also the deal flow part was good for them. Like imagine amplifying your deal flow with usually good founders or the stage founders go to successful good founders. So when you have those in your portfolio and you are creating that loop in the fund. I think that helps them at the end of the day. And I'm the one who is giving away. So for them, it's a positive thing. Ah, it's a super good point. I'm curious to like, do you also then have founders, you're on fund one, right? And about to raise fund two, am I right? So we haven't started actively raising, but if you are a Kaufman fellow, you are. this is your first name. <laughs> you are always fundraising. So. <laughs> As a VC, you always have to fundraise. So obviously we are talking, but um, yes, soon yeah. we will. And given the whole conversation here for Fund One, of course, you don't have founders investing into the established uh, founder base. Do you see that that is something that you want to have in the next one? So have a uh, sidecar to the vehicle? Yes, actually, our first fund is maybe I, I forgot to tell you there. Our LP base, the first closing was all successful yeah. entrepreneurs. And second one, obviously, it's going to be the same. Or it was the people who co-invested with us, who made money with us, so and who was, who saw that yeah. journey. I think it's going to go and continuously because at the end of the day, as David said, it's us. Like we want belonging, we want people to have and come here. We want to help them, but we want them to come and give back too. This is like the yeah. organic yeah. one. Absolutely. I'd love to just stay on the LP side there and say, I'm sure that there's been some development in how they receive it. In the beginning, you had to go out there with, you know, a bit of a theoretical argument, but now you can probably see better the effects. I'm curious to hear how your narrative has changed. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us a bit about that? <laughs> it changed a lot for sure. I think it's like founders, like when you try to find your product market fit, like you have a hypothesis. And it, you get the feedback and it changes. The first one was like co-founder as a service. I never, ever use that again <laughs> without peace. Because for them, they are right. Now I understand. They, are, they think that you are operationally working in the companies. That's not what we do. We are bringing the best people to help them operationally. And because we have been there, we have that deep know-how in the operational playbooks and what to do. So now we are saying... Obviously, A16Z or first round capital also helped a lot too. The platform we see is obvious now. It wasn't like that way before. It's much easier. It's not just we are investing at early stage with low valuations in where we are in the global level founders. And by bringing them and lending them to more bigger markets, you create a huge arbitrage in between. Uh, we even have a slide for that, actually, that makes them... Like, yes. And obviously we, we performed. I think that's the obvious thing. Like after you perform, it's easier to share your narrative. And you, you are well connected to the U.S. And that's something that we haven't spoken about yet in the podcast here. But you could put a few words to that and also how 
your path has intersected with Silicon Valley, I think that's relevant to bring forth. Sure. I think my first travel to Palo Alto was because of Endeavor. In my mind, I always thought, where's my audience? Where do I want to connect? Where can I learn? Endeavor was the first place. And then Kaufman obviously made a big difference. But during Kaufman, as I mentioned before, like Salesforce's founding investor, board member, Magdalena, helped a lot. Now Tarkan, who is a really successful founder, three-time billion-dollar exit. So Arjun Sethi, Tribe Capital, they're like a brother or sister fund yeah. for us. Or uh, Chris Chris Santos in London. So I've been always trying to build those bridges. It wasn't for me to build those bridges, but creating women relationships. How can I help them? How they can help us? How they can recreate something together? So that was the idea. And now we have a really strong LP base, both in uh, UK and uh, Bay Area. Yeah, I'm very interested. I'd actually wanted to ask you something about that. You know, when we think about firm development and fund two and eventually a fund three and LP base, right? Because you said that your first close was mostly with founders. And so what I wanted to ask is how you think about the profile of LPs that you want to cater to and how that impacts the strategy of fund two, which is at the end also fund size, right? <laughs> yes, that's a tricky question, a good one. <laughs> For a, a fund manager, this is always the challenge. Like, what is going to be the next fundraising round size for an entrepreneur, same for the fund manager. Yeah. So at the beginning, I think it was natural, as I told you. But then till final closing, we had corporates, hedge funds, successful VCGPs, EIF. So the profile changed a lot. But at the end, what I want to do, I want to have LPs that I want to feel that I want to return their money multiplied many times. I want to create an impact. I want them to take that money and do something good. We have really good LP base at the first one. I know when we return money, when we become successful, we have universities, for example, they will go and do something good. So that was important for me and Barkai and iPad. For the second one, obviously, if you want to go to bigger check, you need to go to more fundraising cycles, let's say, uh, bigger tickets, longer sales. Yeah. I don't want to say sales cycles, but now I'm <laughs> I'm helping young founders to make sales. So that's my mind always shift there. Geographically, how much is Turkey and how much is outside of Turkey? The fund has, doesn't have a like specific mandate. It's yeah. pan-European. But obviously, we are really strong mm -hmm. with Turkey and Turkish diaspora. But if you look at the portfolio, half of our portfolio Turkish founders or half of them are in U.S., but have a European-based yeah. team or customers. And now we are expanding into Eastern yeah. Europe, like CE, yeah. Central yeah. Eastern Europe, because also our expertise, developer tools, enterprise software, obviously we see really good startups coming yeah. up. Yeah, not for sure. Very interesting. Okay, I uh, think that we should proceed to the uh, quick fire round, David. Uh -huh. Yes, Dilek. As you know, we always end with a quick fire round. <laughs> this is a quick answer question <laughs> section. 30 to 60 seconds each. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> First question. In AI, bioinformatics and or robotics, what mm -hmm. areas excite you the most that other people don't really feel that excited about? I love deep tech and mostly AI, robotics and bioinformatics and deep tech. I love more. The reason is 
when, when, when I was looking at bioinformatics, it was so hard, biotech and plus computer science together. It's like whenever there's a convergence, it's hard for people, but I love convergence. I feel like I'm more T-shaped person, generalist, but I want to go deeper whenever I want. So let's say robotics a lot, AI for sure. I think it has still really, really big upside, but numbers are also telling that too. Second question, what are your top tips for emerging managers across Europe who are fundraising? Yes, this is a long-term game. That's just keep in mind. You need a grit to make it happen. Uh, build your audience. Now in the VC world, you have to create an edge and create that audience. And find your soft power. What I mean is bring people who have done it, who created success as your, like, Light, I, I also said lighthouse people. For me, those people made a big difference because you are first-time fund managers and it's a 10-year game. You need to bring other people who trusted you so people can come and trust you. And the last thing is have a process, like have a funnel, outbound, inbound, like use your marketing edge and funnel mindset here because for me, it wasn't like that at the beginning. Then I realized you need to follow reach out to people. So it helps. Third and final question. Aside from a second appearance in the European VC podcast to talk about the investment strategy of Fund2, what can we expect in the future from DLEC? We started a program called Founders Hub. We are bringing the best of the best. I'm crazy about helping founders. Like Mostly my niche is B2P technical founders. Because as an engineer, I didn't know how to tell my story. Still don't know, by the way. But I know it makes a big difference. They already have a good product. How I can help them to create big impact. So that founders program is going to be something big. Wait for it. Ah, there's a whole bunch of waiting here. We have to wait to hear about Fun 2. I we have know. To wait. <laughs> It's amazing. That's why Dilek says her soft power yeah. is marketing. Because this is all about creating that feeling of scarcity. Right? We, we kind of want to, we have to wait. So, uh, yeah. It's perfect. Awesome, Dilek. Thank you a million for joining us today. It was great fun. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The European VC, your podcast for insights into the European VC industry. If you love our show, do drop us a review, share it with your friends, and join our Slack community at theeuropeanvc.com forward slash community. And don't forget, if you would like to suggest topics or guests for future episodes, join our community and help make the best pod for everything European VC. And if you are about to raise a fund or an international round, do let us know and we'll be happy to introduce you to relevant investors.